Huckabee is brought to you in part by Trivita.com, helping you experience greater wellness. Tonight on Huckabee, Governor Asa Hutchinson in fighting the coronavirus and media bias. We should not be arresting people because they're following their faith. Senator Martha McSally is breaking barriers in Washington. Serving in this new combat zone is a part of my calling to continue to serve. And 60 sensation, the cow seals join us. That's Trey Corley in the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Bilbrey. And now, here's Mike Huckabee. Welcome to Huckabee. We are so glad you're joining us for a great show tonight. Lots in the news this week, but there is something that really has been important to me. The first manned spaceflight since 2011 was scheduled this week, but had to get scrubbed at the last minute due to weather. Now, by the time you watch this, hopefully the SpaceX rocket created by Elon Musk's private company will have launched and be connected to the International Space Station. I grew up in the space age of the 50s, 60s, and 70s. I still remember JFK's 1961 speech when he announced that America would send a man to the moon and return him home before the end of the decade. JFK didn't live to see that, but I did. In July 1969, U.S. astronauts landed on the moon. In the early days of space, like most kids of my era, I could name every Mercury, Gemini, and Apollo astronaut, and in the order they flew. We were all glued to our old black-and-white TVs to watch every launch and to hear details about each of these historic and daring missions. When we began to cut back on the space program, I felt we were making a great mistake. Many Americans may question the wisdom of spending billions to get to the moon, but most of them never realized that even if they didn't go to space, their lives had been changed for the better because we did go. The obvious benefits are better weather forecasting, instant global communications due to satellite technology, but all of us have been dramatically bettered by spinoffs of the space program. If you like cell phones, cordless tools, scratch-resistant lenses on your glasses, freeze-dried foods that last indefinitely, fire-retardant clothes, still-belted radial tires, or even a dust buster, thank the space program. If you are a relative, have had his or her life saved or maybe made better because of a miniature heart pump, artificial limb, robotic surgery, or advanced food safety, or water, for water purification systems, the space program likely made that possible. LED devices, whether to light your home or to give you a huge, brilliant picture TV for a fraction of the cost of a television just 50 years ago, that's results of the spinoffs from the space program. Medical telepathy, MRI, miniature cameras at your doorbell, remote controls to all your appliance, and the GPS system in your car or smartphone that guides you to a restaurant, hotel, or your doctor's office wouldn't exist without the space program. Our sound systems are more advanced, our computers more powerful, much smaller, our food is safer, our machines are more efficient, our cars are more comfortable, safer, and they get better gas mileage and our illnesses are diagnosed more accurately and treated more effectively, all because we went into space. 
The astronauts, who were the pioneers into outer space, lived on the edge of raw courage as few others ever have. Every flight had far greater risk than most of us realized. These men and women were sitting on top of a canister full of highly explosive fuel in a small capsule, all of which was built with a low bidder. Talk about faith, but I'm grateful for their courage to do it and their curiosity to even attempt it. And while I doubt I'll ever make it to a space flight, my life on Earth is immensely better because a few of us did, in fact, make the journey. As every state of the country looks to reopen, some governors have issued intense lockdown orders, stifling a return to business and frustrating citizens to the point of mass protest and even lawsuits. But my first guest has emphasized individual responsibility and common sense. Joining me from my home state of Arkansas is Governor Asa Hutchinson. Governor, you've got a lot of good news to report tonight, but before we get to that, I want to ask you about the death of George Floyd up in Minneapolis, where in police custody, uh, he was he was killed, and it just seems like a, a horrible situation. Prior to being a governor, you were with Homeland Security. You were also a former U.S. attorney. What is it that we should expect out of local and federal officials to address what has been a horrible situation? Well, we should expect a, a quick and thorough uh, investigation. And we've had to deal with this so many times across America. You would think that we would learn. You would think that uh, we would train law enforcement in a better fashion and they would be more responsive to it. And then the outbreak of violence uh, in Minneapolis, uh, the riots, uh, this is another tragedy. And so uh, very frustrating for everyone. Uh, but in terms of the investigation, uh, the U.S. Attorney, of course, uh, comes in under the Department of Justice and their Civil Rights Division out of Washington. Uh, we'll be investigating that as a civil rights violation, which carries a very hefty penalty. Uh, and they uh, usually issue the subpoenas. They use the grand jury process. So that takes a little bit of time. I think the other part of the investigation is what's going on with the county attorney. And so I would expect that to move a little bit quicker uh, than the federal investigation, but uh, they both need to, I mean, the evidence is right out in front of everybody. I know they got to do more, but they need to move quickly. Let's talk about uh, the COVID strategy in Arkansas. Yours has been to take a more targeted approach to manage the risk of the coronavirus. Let's talk about what that looks like on a practical level and how has it worked out in Arkansas? In terms of our strategy, it has been very effective for Arkansas and that's a targeted approach that we didn't shut down every business, uh, we didn't uh, issue a shelter at home order, and we didn't do that because uh, that would have put hundreds of thousands of more people out of work, and it wouldn't have brought a public health benefit. In other words, it wouldn't have given us any advantage. And so we did a more targeted approach uh, in which we did uh, put restrictions on, on restaurants, we closed the schools, of course, and now we're lifting those restrictions. And the fact that we did not shut down gives us uh, a quicker response in terms of our economy. It's a lot easier when a business hasn't been totally shut down, particularly the retail shops, to regain the confidence of the consumers, uh, to open back up, to push the economy forward. And that's what we're seeing now in Arkansas. 
So we projected, for example, a 10% reduction in our sales tax revenue as a state. It looks like it's going to be about 5%, and so we're beating some of those projections, and it's because we didn't completely shut down our economy. Other states took a very heavy-handed approach. I'm thinking about Michigan and New Jersey and New York, and in some of those cases, they're caseloads have been far greater than what you've seen in Arkansas or what has been in Texas, Florida, uh, Georgia, states run by Republican governors. I, I don't want to make a party thing out of it, but it's pretty evident that uh, there is a different approach between uh, Democrat and Republican governors on not only what your power is and should be, but upon uh, how soon can people get back to some sense of normal. What, what do you think drives that difference? This is one thing that we all should be operating in a bipartisan way. The virus has not uh, picked political parties at all. Uh, but there has been somewhat of divide that surprised me in terms of the approach to this. One is a more heavy-handed government approach. And, you know, and I can't compare where we are in Arkansas to what the governors of New York and other states have had to face with a more dense uh, population. But we've tried to be restrained, for example, uh, I try to create jobs, and it, it really hurts me to be able to issue a restriction that causes us to lose jobs. So naturally, I've been restrained in that, and it means a, a great deal if, you know, if we close a business and it, the families depend upon that, it hurts them so much, and uh, particularly whenever you're not stopping the virus from, from spread, spreading. And so we took a very targeted approach. We did put restrictions on restaurants, face-to-face uh, -face businesses. We're lifting those now. Uh, and we expect uh, the, the people to respond when we give them information. And so, Governor uh, Huckabee, I love calling you that, uh, whenever you look at uh, wearing masks, for example, we've tried to set the example for wearing masks, but we haven't authorized anybody to go out and make arrests. Uh, we try to educate people. We try to get them to make the right decision for face covering, for social distancing. But it's not the heavy hand of the law that we're implementing. We're trusting people to do the right thing. And by and large, they're doing that. You also met with the president at the White House recently to uh, discuss your uh, response in Arkansas. Tell us about the conversation you had with the president. And uh, do you appreciate the fact that he's basically let the governors make decisions rather than try to run everything uh, from Washington. Has that been helpful? Well, it's been necessary and it's been helpful, and I applaud him for giving the governor's flexibility to manage it. Uh, you know, even within Arkansas, we have the virus at different regions of our state at different times uh, that uh, have more cases than other parts. And so you can imagine the country, you can't have a one-size-fit-all approach. He's given the governor's flexibility uh, and I appreciate that. And then he has really made a difference now with his voice in saying, it's time to reopen up our economy. We can't be shut down. That's not really America. And if he didn't have that voice, just think where we would be. Have you been surprised that in some states, uh, it was felt that it was okay to go to Walmart or a supermarket, but not to church. And some of the governors have actually said they would arrest people if they went to church. I know that's not been your approach whatsoever, but how surprising is it that some would say that church has got to be the most dangerous place in America to get the virus? Well, our, pa our pastors, they want to be careful and health conscious just like everyone else. 
They want to protect their congregations. And so this is an example of where we didn't come down heavy-handed on our churches. There are guidelines for them, but it's their call, and it's all guidelines, and we recognize that separation of what the church does and what the state does. The government should respect the role of faith and religion and the role of the church, and we should not be arresting people because they're following their faith. Governor, clearly you have uh, followed the model that's called freedom, the way we're supposed to operate in this country. Uh, deeply grateful for your leadership at a time when uh, unprecedented crisis has uh, struck this country and delighted to have you and be able to talk about the things you've done to protect the people, but to do it in a way that's uh, constitutional. Thank you for joining us. Mike, it's great to be with you and thank for the coverage of this important topic. Well, our thanks to Governor Asa Hutchinson. You can follow the governor on social media at Asa Hutchinson. Also visit his official state website at governor.arkansas.gov. Plus, healthy.arkansas.gov will get you all the latest information on COVID-19 for the state of Arkansas. Well, Keith Bilbrey has something to tell you about regarding the rest of tonight's show. So, Keith, we turn it over to you. Well, tonight, Arizona Senator Martha McSally and film stars Natasha Beret and Ben Elliott, plus Grammy-winning music producer Chris Christian and the Cowsills are all on Huckabee. Dinesh D'Souza on how to stop the United States of Socialism. And Jane Seymour is changing lives through open hearts. And welcome back to the show as Trey Corley and the Music City Connection brings us in. My next guest is an Arizona senator, a retired Air Force colonel, and as the first female combat fighter pilot to command a fighter squadron, a true pioneer who shattered the glass ceiling as well as the stratosphere. Her new book is an amazing story, Dare to Fly, Simple Lessons in Never Giving Up. Senator Martha McSally, welcome to our show. We're so glad to have you, and, and I want to get right into it because your dad said something to you just before he died, and you were just 12 years old. He said to you, make me proud. I have a feeling that you've done just that. I hope and pray I have in the calling of my own life and my journey since that monumental moment as a 12-year-old where I lost my dad. It, it propelled me on a path of, of grief, but also on finding my own faith and treating every day as a gift. But, you know, we were, just like many people can relate to, one day we were hanging out together as a family, and the next day he was gone. And I was blessed that in the middle of the night, in between heart attacks, he knew in his spirit that he was going to be with the Lord. And he said, get my children now. I need to speak with my children. And I was, you know, rustled out of bed in the middle of the night and I didn't understand what was going on, uh, but I was able to visit with him. I didn't really, it didn't bring closure for me, but in those moments when we talked about the mundane things of life, he said to make him proud. And it has been, certainly something that gr grounds me in my own journey through mountaintops and valleys uh, by the grace of God uh, as I walk out my own calling. One of the things that you discuss in the book that I find so very powerful is that when you speak of courage, which you do a lot in the book, 
you talk about courage as a choice, not something that is just necessarily hardwired in us. Tell us about how courage can be our choice. Well, it's a common feeling. We can all relate to being fearful. And some people think that those of us like me, you know, I flew fighter jets, that somehow we don't have fear. And it's just not true. I believe, and I look at my own journey by telling stories of bringing you into the A-10 cockpit for my first ever takeoff. No two-seat models, no simulators. First flight was solo. And it was a 10-year journey to get there through a lot of detours and derailments. But finally, I was going to achieve my dream. And I felt fearful in that moment. It, it wasn't absent of fear. But I had to make a choice. I was either going to taxi in and say, you know what, I just can't do this and allow the fear to take me over. Or I was going to push up the power and take off afraid. And look, people of faith, you can relate to this. Sometimes people pray, Lord, take away this fear and then I'll step out. I truly believe God was calling us to do things afraid, to take off afraid and trust him that the fear doesn't have any power over us. And when we do that, then we build courage because we realize, you know what? We were able to do it. The fear didn't hold us back. And that then gives us the courage for the next challenge. It's like an athlete building a muscle memory. Don't let fear hold you back. We know that's not from God. Uh, you need to step out in the midst of the fear, do things afraid, and God's gotcha, and you'll feel and you'll realize that the fear doesn't have any power over you. I gotta tell you this. One of the biggest thrills I ever had in my life was getting to fly in an F-16 when I was governor, and so I was commander-in-chief yeah. of our Air Guard. I stepped away from that and I said, people who can fly fighter jets, they're a different breed of cat than the rest of us because I don't think most people appreciate you're flying the, the craft, you've got the weapon system, the navigation system, you're doing it all by yourself. It's an extraordinary challenge to do that. You were the first woman to do it. Did you face a lot of pushback from people who said, this is no place for women to be in a combat mission? Uh, I did, and, and look, there was adversity. I just, it was my calling to serve and fight for America. and. The airplane didn't care if I was a boy or a girl. And so when I was finally given that opportunity, I was just so blessed. Uh, but it wasn't easy. There were certainly some people who had some insecurities about it. And we had to prove to them that we belong, prove to them that we had the skills. And there were some times of isolation for sure. Uh, but again, I go back to my faith. You know, there were many days where I get up and get on my knees and say, God, give me the strength to get through today, to focus on the things that I can control, uh, that I can study hard and I can prepare well and I can learn from my mistakes and don't be overwhelmed by, you know, feeling like the fate of how people view women in the military is on your shoulders. Just put one foot in front of the other, you know, push up the power, uh, sh get through this mission. And I just had to uh, get through that really one day at a time. Well, it's uh, it's a great story. Before I let you go, let's talk about the, uh, the, the issue of the elections this year. You're in a yeah. uh, tough race for the U.S. Senate. Let us know what happens if the Democrats were to take control of the Senate. I mean, that that would change a lot of things. What happens? Well, there's a lot at stake, Governor Huckabee, and uh, I'm standing on the wall. Uh, I've fought for our freedoms in uniform. Uh, if we have, uh, you know, th think about for a moment, this will give you nightmares tonight, Biden, Schumer, and Pelosi in charge, uh, and their agenda is so <laughs> far out of touch and out of step with America, you know, mainstream America. I've been fighting for our freedoms our whole lives. 
this really serving in this new combat zone is a part of my calling to continue to serve. The oath of office I took is the same I took as a military officer. And I had a really tough route to even get into the House. Um, in 2014, 2012, I thought I won. I went to freshman orientation, voted for the speaker, and I had to go home and concede. In 2014, I ended up winning by 167 votes. And during the toughest days, I put up two sticky notes on my mirror. I talk about this in the book, in my bathroom, hope and trust. And uh, this year, and I eventually prevailed, uh, this year, my sticky notes for, for 2020, before I ever would have imagined what we'd be facing, are gratitude, peace, and joy. This is going to be a tough fight, as you know, but I've been through tough fights before. I share them in Dare to Fly. And I also want people to go to daretofly.us. You can share your inspiring stories with me, and I really need to hear them and want to hear them because I get inspired every day. Senator Martha McSally, we need you on that wall, and I want to say thanks for joining us. Uh, Keith Bilbrey is going to tell our viewers how they can keep up with the senator and get their copy of this terrific new book by Senator Martha McSally, Dare to Fly. Keith? Gladly, Governor. Dare to Fly is available now at Amazon and all major booksellers. You can find more details at daretofly.us and keep up with the senator's work at her official website, mcsally.senate.gov. You can also follow at AZ on both Facebook and Twitter. Coming up, it's Laugh Out Loud news stories. Then the classic rom-com is back. Stars Natasha Beret and Ben Elliott. Later, it's producer Chris Christian. Then the real Partridge family, the Cowsills, are on Huckabee. Go to MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter and follow at GovMikeHuckabee on Twitter. Well, from choosing a wife with nine lives to trucks with separation anxiety, we've got the news that'll have you going, me how? on our version of In Case You Missed It. Well, the coronavirus and resulting lockdowns have made people a little crazy. Not to mention it's been hard on relationships, but not for California Scott Perry. It made him realize he needed to take the next step with his roommate. So he popped the question. Aww. Only wrinkle? He's getting married to his cat, Olivia. Mm. Oh, I know what you're thinking. That is a strange pairing. But then again, they've been faithful companions, far better than Scott marrying a cheetah. Uh, Governor, that, that reminds me. My niece, Loretta, is a cat lover. And just last week, I saw where she posted online, my new boyfriend is allergic to my kitten, so I can't keep him. He's a ginger named Tom. Friendly, comes when called. 28 years old and works in IT. Sure wow. didn't see that coming. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Poor guy's gone. He's gone. At least Scott is not walking the aisle with this cat who bears a scary resemblance to a former dictator. I'll bet the cat's name is Adolf Kittler. Mm. In New York and New Jersey, <laughs> businesses are turning their parking lots into pop-up drive-in movie theaters. They mark off spaces 10 feet apart, 
put up giant portable screens and broadcast the soundtrack over the radio. So it's also bringing back car radios. Now, they show both new movies and old favorites like Grease and Dirty Dancing. Although Dirty Dancing sounds like the opposite of social distancing. Yeah. Now, I gotta tell you, I'm old enough to remember drive-ins, but I sure don't remember that any of us went there to be socially distant from our date. Mm. Hey, you've heard of a bridge too far. How about a bridge too low? Jim Witkowski was driving near the Milwaukee International Airport when he spotted the dump truck driver flying down the highway with his truck bed in the up position and headed straight toward mm. an overpass. Yeah, I have to wonder if any old Milwaukee beer was involved. <laughs> well, Witkowski tried to warn the driver, but the driver was moving too fast in his truck. So he did what any of us would do. He took out his cell phone camera and prays for him back. Mm -hmm. Luckily, the driver wasn't injured, but his dump truck kept going for about 50 feet while the truck bed stayed back at the overpass. Ooh. Whoa. Talk about separation anxiety. Mm. I'm wondering if this is the same truck driver who overturned his truck full of Vicks VapoRub. Everyone was amazed at that accident, especially since there was no congestion for eight hours oh, oh, straight. Oh, oh. How about that? Yeah. Traffic reporters love those. And finally tonight, a stretch of highway in Tennessee was recently covered in 40,000 pounds of macaroni and cheese. It happened on Interstate 24, right here in Nashville. The truck tipped on its side and the roof of the trailer split open, spilling the delicious contents across the interstate lanes, making the road, wait for it, impossible. Oh. Got that? It, it was delicious. So, I'll have to I guess it. this also- it was good. Yeah. I guess this also means those new easy open mac and cheese truck trailers are a great success. Now, the truck driver's name was allegedly Sloppy Joe Mix, no. mm -hmm. which I believe speaks for itself. <laughs> I know if I'd been in town that day, you would have seen me down there with a wheelbarrow and shovel. Right beside. By the way, it makes me think of that great Eurythmic song. Sweet dreams are made of cheese. Yes. Who am I to dis? A brie, I cheddar the world and feta cheese. Everybody's looking for Stilton. Wow. Got that? <laughs> okay, I know you're all thinking that song joke could have been great nope. and not so cheesy. Well, Parmesan me. <laughs> I was trying to do a good -a job. Oh, well. Like a clock without batteries, we're out of time. But remember, we read the news. There's a new romantic comedy now available, and it actually carries a deeper message about personal faith. Here's a special little sneak peek at the delightful film, Home Sweet Home. A few weeks ago, I met a guy. Hi, I'm Victoria. Hey. So you see anything you like? Oh, peanut butter mocha looks great. What's up with this Jason guy? I'm guessing you're not as tight. Is he alive? Then I can be as tight. Jason's organization builds houses. That's what you're volunteering to do. I'd say she's more into hunting guys than building homes. Were you planning on working today? Got my own tools and everything. Yeah, no. 
If I want to play on his field, I have to play by his rules. It's amazing how you actually build a house in such a short amount of time. Oh. You're kind of mysterious. You're kind of a flirt. It's great to have the stars of Home Sweet Home, Natasha Bure and Ben Elliott with us. Thank you both for coming. And I'm going to start, Natasha, with you. Tell me what makes Home Sweet Home different from a lot of the typical rom-coms that we see a lot of. I don't know how different it is from a typical rom-com, but it's a, it's a fun, flirty movie. And I love that it's faith-based. I love that it you know talks about so many different topics. And there's a lot of different really fun storylines within the film. And um, yeah, it was it was a blast to shoot. Sometimes scripts of faith-based films uh, can be a little preachy, uh, almost uh, too much so. I, I think one of the things you tried for in this particular film of Home Sweet Home was that it would be respectful of faith, include it, make it a part of it, but but not try to land a heavy punch to the jaw. Would, would you say that's a fair assessment of Home Sweet Home? I would say that's pretty fair. You know, again, it's not heavy handed with anything. And it's really both these two characters are pretty new in their own faith. And so they're both kind of figuring it out. I know Jason um, was like three months in to finding his new path and leaving kind of the life he didn't care for behind. And then, of course, Natasha's character we see kind of her journey in the beginning and it's nothing that's like too in your face. It's respectful, I think. And it's, I love it personally. It's great. Natasha, just uh, to kind of close it all up. Um, I, I, I want you to tell us what you hope people will come away with when they see home sweet home. I think a huge message and just theme behind the whole movie is just to be who you are and just to be authentic. And that's a message that I stand for just even in my own life is that we're all at different stages and we're all going through different struggles and trials and tribulations and to just to be yourself and understand that God has so much in store for you, but you have to go through the journey and you have to go through the process to really live it out. And I think that's something that in the movie, both of the characters you will really see their journey and they wouldn't be where they are without that. So I think just being authentically who you are, being okay with that, being okay with the process and the journey and just, just loving yourself and loving others around you. Definitely. It's a great message. Great film. I hope people will see it. My thanks to Natasha Bure and Ben Elliott and to Keith Bilbrey, who's going to tell the folks at home how they can see this great new film, Home Sweet Home. Home Sweet Home is available now on DVD or streaming on Amazon, iTunes, and many more services. It's also coming soon to the new Encourage TV service. You can watch it there for free from June 15th to July 1st. There's more information on all of that at GoBMG.com. And follow them both on Instagram at Ben Elliott Look and Natasha Bure. Next, Grammy Award-winning music producer Chris Christian plus 60s music sensations The Cow Sills are on Huckabee.
watching that spot, you might think that the work of Samaritan's Purse is never done. Well, you'd be right. It's the calling of the Lord to serve those who are suffering and broken, whether in your neighborhood or across the sea. And I hope you'll demonstrate your generous heart by calling Samaritan's Purse or visiting their website, and then give a financial gift to help. When you do, don't forget God's promise from Proverbs. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they've done. Be sure to give Samaritan's Purse a call today. Okay, my next guest is disgusting. Now, for all of us who have ever dreamed of meeting all of our musical heroes, this guy has actually lived the life that we've all dreamed of, and it's hard not to be jealous. I read his book called A Grandmother's Prayer, Moments in a Music Life. He says his name is Chris Christian, but after reading his story, I think he's the real-life Forrest Gump of the entertainment world because he's been everywhere, he's worked with everybody, and he knows everybody. Chris Christian, what is up with you, man? Governor, I'm so honored to be on the show and to meet you uh, virtually, and I hope to meet you in person. Well, I'm excited about it. I love the book. Read every word of it, couldn't put it down. One of the things I found interesting, your grandmother, uh, everybody called her monkey. But when it came to praying for you, she did not monkey around. Tell me about that. She did not monkey around. Uh, when I was in the, uh, about five years old, every time we prayed for dinner, for breakfast, dinner, anything, she would pass the biscuits, but before we eat, let's pray and let little Chris go into the world and preach the gospel. And so she never prayed that she didn't pray that let little Chris go into the world and preach the gospel. Well, in the four, about the same time, fourth grade, uh, Dal Patterson was a, my teacher was Mrs. Patterson and Dal Patterson, her son had a hit on the radio in Abilene. And uh, I heard him play in our class and I said, that's what I wanna do. So you fast forward and uh, the reason for the name of the book, Grandmother's Prayer, is I really think the way all the unusual things that happen like the Forrest Gump moments that you just, uh, commented about, I think it was answered to the way God answered prayer. Well, it, it's such a great story. Honestly, when I was reading it, the whole time I kept thinking, this guy's Forrest Gump. He, I mean, he showed up at every kind of place that most of us could have only dreamed of. For example, you get on an airplane headed to Hawaii and just happened to be seated by, who were you seated by? George Harrison, the Beatle. <laughs> Uh, you I, mean, know, I, I know. What's the likelihood and, uh, of that? You, and we talk, what's the likelihood of uh, never meeting Elvis, never playing him a song, and writing a song in high school that he decides to record? What's that? What are the what are the likelihoods? What's the likelihood of signing a 16-year-old girl at church and selling 30 million-plus records? I mean, uh, these, these things just shouldn't happen, and I'm the first one to, I just feel like I lived my life underneath the umbrella of my grandmother's prayer. It was an incredible story. You mentioned Amy Grant. Uh, the surprise to me in that story was that you knew her from church. She was not some overly ambitious uh, kid that was just dying to be in the recording industry. Uh, you kind of had to talk her into it. And yet, I'd say it turned out pretty well. It did turn out well. Probably had to talk her dad into it more than Amy <laughs> because she was not looking for a record deal but they grew up in Nashville, so I think her dad thinking going, probably in music business was getting on a bus and playing honky-tonks in concerts, and that probably was not an appealing thing <laughs> for her father, but my wife, my wife grew up with 
uh, with the Grants. And uh, Mimi Grant, her older sister, was one of my wife's best friends in our wedding. So I think I, I got a little approval because of that. And, uh, you know, it, it turned out to not be uh, the typical music on a bus. You, you mentioned Elvis, and, and to me, one of the great stories. You wrote a song when you were 16. It sits really on the shelf for years. And one day, Elvis decides to record it. You end up being befriended by Elvis. But I was struck by the, his interest in you and a friendship with you was not so much music, but it was a spiritual connection. That was fascinating. Tell us about that. Rick Stanley was Elvis's half-brother. And after I met Elvis, I was, when I met Elvis, I was working with Wayne Newton at the Sands. And when he came to the opening night at the Hilton, uh, Wayne had Red West, his bodyguard, invite me up to the show and then up to meet him at the top of the Hilton. He'd already recorded my song, but I'd never met him. And then he stood up and had everybody uh, listen to the song, clapped his hands and put his arm around me. And when Elvis leaned over to me, he said, what did you think about what I did with your song? And I've had hundreds of songs recorded. It, nobody's asked me, what did you think about what I did with your song except one person, and that's Elvis Presley. Uh, but the, to answer your question directly, Rick Stanley was his half-brother, and I kept getting invited after that night at the Hilton where I met Elvis. He kept inviting me to the Memphian and to the malls and to the recording studio. And I said, why? I was 23 years old. Why does Elvis keep inviting me from time to time? He says, because Elvis doesn't want to talk about movies, he wanted to talk about God. I have to tell you, Chris, your book is one of the most amazing books I have read in a long time. Uh, without a doubt, one of the most uh, in intriguing and gripping books of a story that has one of two possibilities. Either you're the luckiest guy that ever breathed air, or God really has had his hand on you and your life. I happen to believe it's that God had his hand on you, and it started with the Grandmother's Prayer. It's a wonderful book that I hope people will get. What an honor to have you on the show, and I'm going to have Keith Bilbrey tell our viewers how they can get Chris Christian's inspiring memoir that is just an incredible faith journey into the heart of the entertainment world. Keith? Well, Governor, it's on Amazon and other major booksellers, and viewers can learn more and order the book at a special discount price. Plus, get a free ebook version all at grandmotherspray.com and to find Chris Christian's music online visit chrischristianmusic.com coming up 60s music legends the Cowsills are back and better than ever right here on Huckabee Welcome back. If you visit Huckabee.tv after the show, we've got a story on a good friend here in town, and we featured on our show before. You know him, Chef Rocca. Now, he's doing his part to end the coronavirus blues with the help of his staff. Be sure to see his inspiring story, Beating the Coronavirus with Business. That's after the show on Huckabee.tv. In the 1960s, teenage brothers and sister, Bill, Bob, Barry, John, Susan, and Paul, along with their mom, Barbara, made up the successful family band, The Cowsills. They had many great hits. They even inspired the TV show, The Partridge Family. Well, before the COVID lockdown, 
they dropped by the studio to tell us their wonderful story. I gotta tell you, I've been so amped about having you guys here. Thank you for coming well, and being thanks with Thanks for us. having us. Your family was the, the, the model, I guess, for what became the Partridge family uh, on television. Absolutely. They tried to get you guys to do it, and you didn't, what was the deal there? You know, there were a bunch of different things, but the main thing was that it was always a vehicle for Shirley Jones. I see. So our right. mom wasn't gonna be involved, and huh. that was a deal breaker right there. Huh. She was you actually know? thrilled at that thought, frankly, but you know. We didn't wanna do the show either. We were teenage guys that toured and had hit records, and when you're 19, you think you're gonna have them your whole life, so we Excuse got that covered. Yeah. So we're living that life. We don't wanna go to the studio every day and do a TV show. I, I would've done it, Excuse though. me. I would have loved to do the TV show. Yeah. Me and too, it Sue. really does turn out. I'm sorry for you, though. They me didn't too. want you, though. I know. Yeah, they didn't want Paul. They didn't. They but they did the, want me. We've and heard I this our whole life. We they think the girl is cute. The girl is cute. And what did, she, what did he say about the guy? He guys? said that the boys were stick figures. Stick figures. <laughs> it's on a, a documentary. It's all verified. I promise I'm not making they it. They did up. want Susan. They wanted nobody else. Yep. Really? True. True, True yep. word. Well, I'm glad you guys turned it down. I never would have left my boys. How could been. The, the family without the family yes. would have made sense. No. You know, you had uh, so many great hits. The, the question, and I think we may even get to play this song in a little while, is <laughs> the rain and other, uh, yeah, other the things. Yeah, park, park and other, other things. things. Where in the world did the name of that song come from? Was it, Bob well, knows this. It story. was called what? The Flower Girl. Which, yeah. Which everybody calls it today. Oh, The Flower Girl. Yeah, song. The Flower Girl song. Parentheses underneath But that long at name. the time, uh, Scott McKenzie was coming out on MGM, oh, which was our right. label with that San Francisco flowers in her hair song. And the MGM president, Morton Asseter, called Artie Kornfeld, our producer, and said, Artie, you, gotta, you can't be called the flower girl. They confuse we it with Scott McKenzie's song. You need a new name. And Artie, who was a hippie at the time, said, the rain, the park, and other things. And when we heard that, we thought, nobody to this day don't <laughs> is going to remember the, that title. Did you have a favorite that you guys loved uh, more than the other Castle songs? Well, we, I liked hair only because when we did hair, we played our own instruments. We did it, yeah. we did it ourselves. MGM wasn't in the booth looking yeah. over our shoulders because we were cool. just kids. You had yeah. to watch these kids. And that uh, ended up being a, our biggest hit. Well, I want to tell you, though, your version of hair was better than the one from the Broadway well, musical. Thank you. It thank was, you. I mean, it was the signature song. I think most people know your version. They don't know the one. It was from the Broadway. AM hit popped up version. Yeah, that, it wasn't. That, the and play and we version. rode a wave. It was us. It was Fifth Dimension with Aquarius. It was yeah. uh, Three Dog Night with Easy to Be Hard. And At Oliver. the same time, and we didn't Oliver, know yeah. when we recorded it, it was going to be part of a big hair run. Right. You guys are still making music. You've got uh, new music out called Rhythm of the World. Yeah. Coming. The Rhythm of the World is a new album that we decided to make because we think we're relevant yeah, still. People have told us we're relevant, so we're going to believe them. And we also wrote a ton of songs. And we wrote a ton the of songs. When you, you write do, songs, you need you to, to record, record them. them. You got 20 songs on this album, yes, right? Yes, we do. Half yes. of it is acapella. Right. So we got into this acapella glee. It's the acapella kind of, of our hits. Yes. Yep. No kidding. Uh, That'll yes. be interesting. But yes. not just the three of us. We built it up. You'd need a choir to do it. But uh, it was see. a great experiment. Or you'll hear. You'll hear. Yes. I can't wait Looks to hear it. I bet actually. our audience can't wait to hear it. Yeah. I, they look and, like they can. <laughs> hey, and I just, real quick. Yeah. I want to say, it's not the case, but if we were done and if we did have the product, there'd be one of these under every one of your chairs. Yes, uh, that's right. but we there is not anything. One. There is not yeah. anything. I'm you know, not sorry. That would have okay. been so cool to do. It would have been. Bob, here's what we're doing. We're inviting you back. As soon as it's, uh, it's finished, <laughs> okay. we'll put one under every chair. Okay. You'll okay. sing some songs from it. Is that a deal? Deal. Deal. Okay. Deal. I like that. Witnesses. 
See, I was gonna say that you can find Rhythm of the World and all the castles, great other music everywhere music is sold, but if you come here, when they come back, you can find it under the seat yeah. that you're sitting in. <laughs> But you'll want to get the album. I, I certainly do, because their music is timeless and immortal. And you can learn more about all things CalSills at CalSill.com. Be sure to visit MyCuckabee.com after the show to hear a digital performance with the CalSills of their hit song, Indian Lake. It's exclusively on Huckabee.tv. Now, stay tuned because they'll be right here on the show performing another classic hit. Huckabee's back in 60 seconds. Should have stayed for the end of tonight's show for a closing thought with Mike. But first, performing their smash hit, The Rain, The Park, and Other Things, here are the Chowsills. I saw her sitting in the rain. Raindrop falling on her. She didn't seem to care. She sat there and smiled at me. Suddenly the sun broke through. See the sun. I turned around, she was gone. Where did she go? And all I had left was one little flower in my hand. But I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew. She had made me happy.
It was so cool to have the Cowsills with us, and I sure hope they come back. Great people and so much fun. Well, as I leave you tonight, there's something that's not much fun. Peaceful protests demanding justice in the disturbing case of George Floyd in Minneapolis are appropriate, and they're an important way to signal that none of us deserve to be treated with brutality by the police. The fact that George Floyd was black makes it even more important that if his treatment was in any way due to his race, there has to be firm justice to those who violated his civil rights. Police deserve our respect for enforcing the law, but they lose our respect if they break the law themselves by trampling the constitutional rights of a citizen, even one accused of a crime. Tragically, others have desecrated the cause of George Floyd by taking to the streets to break windows, destroy property, and steal and loot private property. They serve no purpose other than a selfish one that sadly distracts attention from what should be justice for George Floyd and his family. Instead, rioters and looters take attention away from George Floyd and they put a spotlight on truly violent and dangerous actions against people who have nothing whatsoever to do with what happened to Floyd. The police officers responsible for the treatment of George Floyd are also guaranteed due process, but they don't get a pass just because they carry a badge and a gun. In fact, we demand more from them, not less, in understanding and appropriately applying constitutional rights to all. Pray that the riots, the violence, and the looting stop, but pray that the quest for truth and justice not stop until justice is served to all and for all. That's our show for tonight. On behalf of all of our team, thanks for watching and join us again next week for the next edition of Huckabee. Good night and God bless.